0: Hello, and welcome to the Novi Conversation. I'm Steve Waltz.
1: And I'm Jeff
0: Pergalski. And today, Jeff, we're very fortunate we have two CRM experts for our podcast today on RM and NAV and BC. Not versus relationship management, the Microsoft Dynamics CRM, but really, you know, questions that come up. And I think this is going to be a great podcast because I know you've done some implementations in the past. But we want to welcome our our guest today. We have Peter Wolf from uh a did i pronounce that correctly peter you nailed it great well welcome and we have our nav all-star crm expert tom dorn with us hi tom hi steve hi jeff so we're, we're excited to have you too and you know it just seems like the last couple of years it went from hearing questions about crm on occasion to where it just seems like it's a train rolling out of the station a little bit faster and there's more questions coming up. So we're glad to have you on here. So what what I like to do, Jeff, is really kind of get maybe a background from both of them on, you know, tell us about, you know, what's in each of the products. So I think maybe Tom, we, maybe we can start with you and you can maybe t- tell our listeners, you know, when people, I think the number one question we get asked is, tell us about the relationship management in NAV BC.
1: Hey, Steve, sure. before we get that far, um, I don't want to be rude, but but could we have Peter tell us a little bit about Azamba maybe and, and his role there before we get did, into the – like, did, did I skip the introduction again? <laughs> yeah. So, so Peter, tell us a little bit about your company and and exactly. what you do for them.
2: Yeah, I appreciate the introduction, and thanks, guys, for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I know we've been long-term partners uh, working together, so it's just always great to collaborate even further So my name is Peter Wolf. I'm the president, founder of Azamba Consulting Group. My real passion in life is helping small and medium-sized businesses reach their business goals, usually through the use of CRM. Um, I've been working with CRM and SMB space for going on a little over 20 years now. So I first was introduced to it in early 2000s. My background was a custom software development person, so I used to build huge solutions for customers. When I first saw CRM, I fell in love with it because I realized I could take that as a platform, build out these custom solutions to help my customers streamline their businesses and automate their businesses and just generally improve their lot in life. Um, I could use CRM as the foundation for that and I could do projects in a fraction of the time for a fraction of the investment with a much um, quicker return on investment uh, time period. So that's kind of where my passions lie. We do a lot of just real basic sales automation stuff. That's great. We do a lot of that. We do a lot of services automation. So companies don't always realize this, but CRM can be used for services automation, not just sales. Um, And we ourselves are active users of CRM. It's changed our own business. So everything that we do for ourselves, we like to echo it out there for our customers so that they can do what we do, which is just become lean, mean and profitable. And for me, that's what CRM is all about. That's, like I said, it just it gets me going in the morning to know that I can have a huge impact on my customers' lives.
0: Well, well, thank you, Peter. And I think what happened is I get I get kind of this is a topic I get excited and fired up about because it's you know, I was back in the day I was a rep for a large pharma company, and about twenty years ago when they said it and they they implemented it, it felt like Big Brother was watching. And you, you saw people fight the change, and and then you realize as a salesperson that you know if you don't adapt to change, it, it never works out well. So uh, I think hearing some of your experiences, uh, what you had, and working up to where you're
2: at, is 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 great to hear. So uh, Jeff, you have any other questions for Peter before we well, talk I, about actually Steve? If you don't mind, I'm going to comment on one thing you just mentioned. So sure, one of our the biggest things that we do is take those challenges on because a lot of companies out there that want to buy CRM they have this misguided idea that you just slap CRM in and all of a sudden sales is going to improve or service is gonna improve, customer uh, retention is gonna improve. And that's not true because what you need to do is make sure that the people on the front line, the sales people, the service people, inside and outside sales, um, the CSRs, there's a reason to use CRM besides my boss is making me do it. Because if it's just my boss is making me do it, um, the boss better be prepared to fire people. And most people do not wanna be in that position so we have this whole philosophy over here when we sell crm it's we sell to management but we implement for the end users so what that means is how do we make the end users lives better in some way less stress um help them do their job better in sales's case you know how do we put more money in their pocket because we allow them to sell more in the same amount of time and so what we want to do is make CRM the friend of the salespeople, so they're not put in that awful position that you were put in, which is use it or lose your job. <laughs> which, uh, but that's what a lot of companies think that that's what they can do, and it and it just doesn't work. It, it creates a high failure rate for CRM.
3: You know, you know, Peter and Steve, we're sorry to hijack your podcast, uh, but just, I think that one of the drivers, um, and it is even one in my experience. So. 25 years ago, one of the only things that I sold was CRM. So, you know, sales logics, uh, there was three or four different systems that we worked with uh, helping companies with this type of, you know, at that point, they called it Salesforce automation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the driver is that a, a CEO or a senior leader go on, went out, they saw a presentation and they, they got a picture of a sales funnel, everybody knows the sales funnel. <laughs> These yep. colors, and they Beautiful. see the picture, and they come back to their team, and they say, "I want that."
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And and what they what they don't understand are all the things that Peter just talked about. Right? There's first all the pretty pictures come from data. So if we don't have data, we can't we can't get pretty pictures. And and then how do we make that data? Entry, which is the pushback that you, two pieces of pushback. One is your big brother comment, Steve, right? People are a little apprehensive. The other is, you you know, somebody's got to enter this data. And so as as Peter talked about, we want to make a connection for the customer service team or the field sales team to understand the value of entering that data If you put this in, what am I going to get in return so that I see that this is actually a really good thing for me and it's going to help me sell more, make more money?
2: Um, So, I I totally agree with you, Tom. And I think that the funny thing is sometimes what am I going to get is I get to keep my job. I don't think that's um, as attractive of emotion as this is going to help me sell 10% more and put that much more commission checks in my pocket. That's why we really want to focus on how to, and I know it sounds kind of a little bit touchy-feely, but how do we make the lives of those people using the software better? That's that's what really drives a successful CRM implementation. That's right, you know, the failure
3: rate for CRM is astronomical. I mean, it's oh, better yeah. than two-thirds. And the the challenge, so if if you think about our ERP listeners, If I put in a new uh, business central system and Jeff Bregalski decides he's not going to invoice today, people lose their minds. They flip out. We can't have it. But if if I put in a new CRM system and Steve decides he's not going to enter his contacts today. Yeah, eh, Steve. It's kind of a shrug, right? And so as Peter said – sell to the executives. So we need executive support. People need to understand this is a strategic tool that's going to benefit the whole company. And then, you know, the pushback and, and, you know, everybody thinks they're unique, but they're not that unique. In every single project I've been in, every one, the common feedback you get from the team, particularly the sales team, is do you want me out talking to people and selling stuff or do you want me working in the computer? Well, in reality, we want you doing both. And, you know, sometimes exe- executives get a little nervous because their top salespeople are, are giving some pushback and they, they're they like, well, you know, what am I going to do? I can't fire my whole sales team. Well, my response is, <clears throat> you don't have to fire your whole sales team. You, you just have to fire one. <laughs> and uh you, you know while we well that sounds a little heavy-handed, the fact is that from an executive point of view, everybody needs to understand that everyone doesn't have to use CRM,
2: only the people that are going to work here <laughs> Oh I love it tom i I will tell you in my less diplomatic younger days, I had a really huge install hundred 100- huge for us, we're small business focused, but 100 seats at a corporate uh, business a bank, a, a business to business bank. Um, and we went out for dinner on the night of the rollout. So we just had rolled it out that day. And we're out at dinner. And he said, so what do I do if my top salesperson doesn't start using the CRM right away? And I said, without missing a blink, uh, fire him. And he looked at me like he was shocked. And I said, Okay, that sounded pretty harsh, but the truth is, um, maybe did it And I started dancing around. He goes, No, no, your first instinct was right. I could tell that's what you would do. He goes, Thank you for your honesty, <laughs> and it's but it's true. You just got to let them know. Like, look, why did we go down this road? For me, it was more alarming that we were talking about that the day of the rollout because it should have been addressed earlier on. I didn't sell that project; someone else didn't brought me in. But you know, I think you got to jump on those things up front, help advise the customer because you want to put them on the path of success. Before they purchase the software, I see too many customers. I'd like to hear your experiences here, where they think that we're going to just go in and put the CRM in, and it's just going to magically work without any involvement on their end. And for me, it's it, that never works. What has to happen is they need to have someone in there that owns the system. And I say it's a lot like the accounting, which is you know you guys have a strong, uh, you know, skill set with accounting, and you know this you guys go in with the assumption that someone's going to own the accounting system accounting manager cfo controller whoever it is with crm that's a, that's a bad assumption most people look around and just assume it's just going to work automatically and just help them reach their goals that's not true they need someone to drive it just like they have someone on the accounting side to drive the accounting usage so um, i'm wondering what your experiences are with that like so what we'll do is if they don't have anybody with the time on their hands or the authority we make sure in the sales process that they get that because without that, they're gonna be one of those horrible you know, statistics of a failure rate.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's our experience exactly, Peter. So it's, uh, that, yeah, I'm not even gonna reiterate what you said. What you said is the recipe for success. We have to have a champion, we have to have executive support, and we have to make sure that that's all laid out at the front end of the
2: project. Well, this is a real, right, well, a real agreeable podcast so far. Are we going to have any conflicts here? Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah we're going
3: to we're going to have
1: a big. They're going to roll out a WWF thing here in a minute. We're gonna- <laughs> yeah. So, if I could jump in um, to sort of segue, for, you talked about the beginning of the project. So, one of the questions that I have is how do you? Um, how do you decide what software is the right fit, specifically relationship management in Business Central or NAV? Uh, how far can that go compared to taking the next step to an even more powerful platform like uh, Microsoft's Dynamics CRM or Sales Professional? So,
3: at Inovia, and I understand everybody does it a little different, but this is our approach. Uh, two good pieces of news for our customers – we have zero vested interest in seeing you purchase one over the other uh if you choose nav relationship management or business central relationship management uh, you already own it so uh, we're not going to sell you anything because you own it if you choose uh, dynamics crm or any other crm system we're we're not going to sell that to you. You're going to buy it from somebody else. So our sole focus is in making sure you get the right tool to help you achieve your goals. So when we do our account planning meetings, we have a, a bit of a process that we follow when someone is talking about uh, either issues that might lead to uh, a, CRM, uh, a CRM type project, or a, if we have a, you know, someone who showed up and said, look, I'm looking for, you know, CRM, and they think they know what they want. If we follow the, the series of uh, sort of interview questions, I'll call it, it usually reveals what they're after. And they tend to fall into a couple different categories. But one, you know, I'll, I'll call it almost an electronic Rolodex, right? We're, we're just trying to keep track of who are we talking to? What are we talking to them about? When's the next time I'm supposed to talk to them? Well, if, if that's all you're really after, most of that's baked into the business central system you already own. Um Maybe they want a little pipeline management. Well, the the sales cycles and the opportunity pipeline is also baked right in. But when they're looking for a little bit more sophisticated views, so maybe they, they need to be able to have enhanced workflow or automation around their follow-ups, or they want a um, a more detailed analysis of their pipeline activities. Well, then those tend to, to lead to a, a more robust system uh, like Dynamics CRM. And so when uh, when those types of things come up, that's when we call Peter and, and his team. And for those of you that, you know, haven't worked with Anovia a lot uh, – we tend to, to have a couple of partners for the systems that we know you might need, but that Enovia doesn't do um, in-house. And so Azamba is really an extension of the Anovia team. When it comes to CRM, uh, you know, we reach out and, and Azamba helps us uh, bring that solution to our customers. So I, I don't know if that was the answer or the question, but hopefully I, I was close there.
2: I, yep, Tom, I'm, great. I'm the same way as you. I'll start answering a question, and by the end of my <laughs> response, I'm like, did I actually answer the question? But I, I know I answered something, but I, I'm not sure I answered I think in this case you nailed it, though. Um, I was going to say something real similar just on the CRM side. When people come to me, my go-to strategy is not – I'm not trying to sell anybody anything. What I want to do is understand why are we talking. Why do they think they need CRM? what's changed in their lives what are they hoping to accomplish what opportunities do they want to pursue what threats are they trying to mitigate and for me that that's where it all starts a lot of our customers are small businesses so um i don't want them because i'm a small business owner myself i don't want them spending money unnecessarily so what i do is try to figure out exactly where their needs are and kind of what they already have in place for some of the customers out there that have nav or bc the relationship management, if their needs are real basic, that's a really great choice because they've already, they're have already they already paying for the licenses. It's Correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't cost any more to get RM if you already own VC. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, mostly correct. The, okay. It could be, you know, if they don't have those users licensed, some people don't oh. have all their sales team licensed. And so, you, you know, you might have to have that team member license, which is, you know, eight bucks a user. Um or the limited license, which Jeff correct
1: me, but that's six hundred bucks. Is that right? Yeah, you're talking um and the you're talking the BC SAS model versus BC on prem, it's yeah eight dollars and seven hundred dollars. Seven hundred dollars. So well,
3: you know, there is some licensing that they would need to purchase, but usually I,
2: less than. I've learned when it comes to the Microsoft licensing, it's best not to talk specifics because by the time I open my mouth, it might've changed. So I'm going to, I'll leave that to the customers to talk to you directly about the pricing. But I guess where I'm going is, is it's, it's the thing about CRM, in my opinion, so the full blown Dynamics 365 for sales, either professional or enterprise or customer engagement licenses, they're all different flavors of CRM, um, is that, In general, it's a more robust solution than the basic RM. If you're just looking to do real basic stuff, I think, and I'm not trying to belittle what's in NAV because it's, you know, most people, that's all they need is the basics. So, you know, that's a perfect solution is just go with that. But if you're looking for something more robust, um, you should definitely take a look at dynamics. I mean, you have, you know, full-blown workflows and automation that you can um, put into place. You've got a full lead pipeline, so you can start off with, 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 Prospects in a lead bucket and keep them segregated from your main data. And so th- that's a great place to put like cold leads that either buy a list or they came to you from your website. You're not sure who they are yet. Um, there's a lot more, I think, in depth ability. I think they both have activity management, but I believe that with Dynamic CRM, you can go a lot deeper with that. You can create subtypes for different types of activities and communications. And I'm curious, because I don't know, I I have to admit, I don't know as much about RM as I obviously do about Dynamics, but um, in Dynamics 365 for Sales, the CRM module, I integrate completely with Outlook. So if I get an email from one of you folks, I can just go ahead and hit a button for Dynamics 365 and file that email to your record, and that way if one of my team gets a call from you, or if I'm out sick, or I win the lottery and I skip town, I would never do that to you guys, but just in case, um, my team can go and find out what those conversations look like because my integration with Outlook is so tight with Dynamics 365 for sales.
3: Yeah, and I think those are interesting uh, observations. Uh, There is integration with Outlook, so it it does do a nice job. I will say that I think that the – the dynamics for sales gives you a little more flexibility, you know, with with the RM solution and that integration, you're essentially turning it on or turning it off, right? So I'm going to get all the emails or I'm going to get none of the emails, uh, which can lead to some clutter. You know, the, the other time that RM makes a lot of sense, and this is for folks that are, you know, I'm going to call them a little more self-aware. Right. So they heard us say two thirds of these implementations fail and they are self-aware enough to know that they they may or may not have the discipline or the appetite for this project. And and so what I've said to people over the years is, look, what do you say you start with what you already own? Prove to yourself that you're actually going to use this tool. And then if it turns out we need some additional functionality, then we'll take the next step and and buy the more robust system.
2: That's a that's an interesting approach. Um, that's a very interesting approach. I do agree like we have this whole philosophy that drives us over here, crawl, walk, run. Start with the smallest amount of functionality that still has value to you and your people and then move forward. Don't try to bite off more than you can chew because let's face it that Part of the high failure rate is because, and I'm sure you guys have seen this, where consulting firms or the customer themselves wanted to do too much too fast. They're coming from spreadsheets and Outlook, and all of a sudden they want to create the uh, Cadillac of CRM experiences. And so it's just overwhelming for their budget, their timeline, for their people to use the software. It's too big, it's too much of a change, it's a culture shock, and that also can create failures for customers. So your approach there, which is to ease into the waters, I think that's great. So it goes back to for me, start with the smallest project that still has value to you. If RM met that requirement, then that's a great path forward. If they needed to do something like more advanced workflows or something, you know, along those lines, then maybe they do need to just bite the bullet and get the full blown CRM, but just start, you know, with a with a tiny footprint of CRM and then add to it as time goes on.
3: Right. Well, and, you know, the other thing, and this uh, just occurred to me, but, you know, we recently had a project. The other thing you've got to do, and we, you know, we joked a little bit about firing people and making, you want people bought into the solution. So don't go off into a corner with the IT group or just the executives. Make sure that you involve the people that are going to use the system early and get their input so that they feel like they were part of the development. Um, You know, we just recently have had a project where um, you know, despite our efforts to involve the field sales team, uh, they were sort of insulated from much of the decision-making. And as a result, when it rolled out, there was just so much pushback that ultimately they, they decided to, to switch to Dynamics, Uh, CRM for sales that, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm still not certain that was the right decision for them, but they ruled out the RM uh, just because we hadn't done a good job of bringing them along in the process.
2: You know, good, good point, Tom. Is it all right if I chime in, guys? I suppose so. I was just having a (laughs) conversation with Tom. I, uh, I forgot you guys were even on the call. (laughs) <laughs> but
0: this is great because, you know, I, I basically the last couple of years have traveled North America and kind of presented on what we're talking about. And, you know, you, you think about the failure rate you're talking about. It's double the failure rate for CRM versus an ERP implementation, which it, to me, it should be the opposite. But, you know, I think what, Tom, what you just said, and, and when I talk with, with customers or end users, is that who are you building it for? You know, why is the, the failure rate is two thirds is because of this one word called adoption right? That's, you're trying to get people to buy in. And it's, it seems like the data and the research supports, and Peter, you can kind of check me on this, that it's, if if we reverse engineer it, if you build it from the ground up from the salesperson, right? The mindset of a company and a salesperson, a top performer is create deals, advance the deals to the pipeline, close them, win them or lose them, go on the next one. And if you can help create in the CRM, that process, to where it's like when the salesperson wakes up in the morning, right? They check their email, they look at their cell phone. We need to make it like that. So when they fire up their computer, they want to go to their CRM because they see it as a valuable tool that's going to help them do their job. And all that other stuff kind of comes with it, right? Because sales managers, VPs, owners, you know, they wanted to see the funnel. They want to see the activity of the salespeople. They want to use it for forecasting. And when you make that the primary it just doesn't seem the adoption goes as well as if you reverse engineered. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Peter?
2: Well, I, I think that everything you said is spot on. There's a lot of reasons why CRM fails, but definitely adoption is where it usually comes down to. And then there's different things that you put in place um, to make sure that adoption is successful. I would say the number one reason why CRM has a double failure rate. I I don't know those stats, but if that's what you're saying, I'll take your word because it sounds true to me. It rings true um, is because usually people don't have someone in charge of the CRM. So it's very easy for things to fall into disuse because the salesperson here doesn't want to do it or salesperson there feels like it's too, too difficult for them or whatever the reason. And there's no one, you know, hurting the sheep to make sure that they, I shouldn't call salespeople sheep more like wolves hurting the wolves. Um, to make sure that they're properly using the tools, um, so I agree with all the things that you said, um, I, and kind of like what I said about Tom earlier. I just lost the what was the question? <laughs> what was the question, Steve? I'm sorry.
0: Well, so we were kind of talking about reverse engineering it, and you know, and you brought up another good point. Is you know, one of the things I usually talk about. One of my my first slides is that strategy. Do you have a well-defined strategy? You know, who's it for? Why are you doing it? And you brought that up because. At the end of the day, you know, management, senior leadership, here's the number we want to hit. How are we going to hit it? Okay. They give that strategy to the sales team. and The sales team's job is to execute it. And then you got to the magic word, ownership. Who's going to own it? Mm -hmm. Right. Because at the end of the day, if there's a lot of finger pointing on, it doesn't go well. And so, you know, I think you guys can check me on it. But by reverse engineering, building it to help the salespeople do their jobs, having a well-defined strategy, talking out, having good discovery on why you're using it what you're trying to achieve with it, and then basically having somebody in charge of it, making sure people are following through. Because I remember when I was with the pharma company, we had a rep in Chicago. And I've talked about this before, that you know, for a year, she didn't put anything in. And I'm like, you have to put something in. She's like, well, I just don't see the value of it. And well, a couple months later, she was gone, You know, getting to what Tom was talking about. And, it, and I just couldn't understand it. You just realized that some people aren't coachable, and some people aren't just going to do it. But the majority, if you if you build it for them and kind of have that well-defined strategy, seem to get on board pretty easy. So, well, thinking, Steve,
3: like, you know, you you touched on a couple of things earlier, and I, you know, I think in a very tangible example. So, if they're involved in the process, if we've taken the time and gone out and actually ridden with a couple of reps and looked at what they look at day to day, because when you ask them, sometimes they don't know particularly the best reps. You know, anybody who's a a solution selling uh, student will recognize the eagles and the journeymen. And an eagle, you you know, you ask them what they do and they're like, I don't know, I just sell, I do what I do. But if you get out and you watch them and you look at, you know, What are they checking on their phones? What do they got in their notebooks? And then we build them that dashboard. So for you Business Central and Nav users, think about your role center. Uh, Any of you have talked to me, you know, those are supposed to be soup starter. They're examples. Your role center, your dashboard in CRM should look totally different than what ships from the box. It should be tailored so that, as you talked about, Steve, when I wake up and I open up that screen, it's everything I need to know about my day. What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to talk to? Which opportunities are hot? What, whatever is important to help me do my job better, that should be front and center. And if we design it that way, then people do see value. They do recognize they don't have to hunt and search and, and hope. That they get their information. It's all right there, surfaced for them.
2: Yeah. So Tom, I I think all your points are spot on and Steve's points are spot on. I I would say one thing that because I deal with a lot of small businesses and I'm talking about tiny businesses. So we have some customers, two, three, four people using CRM. A lot of times they don't know what they want. They just know they have that need. I think you both express that in different ways, but they know they have a need. They have an itch they have to scratch. They just don't know how to go about it. So one of the things that we offer is a fixed fee approach, which is basically like CRM implementation in a box. And so we kind of do some standard things for people just to get them started. And we say, look, use the basics here and then let's move on. Once you've used the system for a couple of months and you see kind of what the motion is, then you can say to me, Hey, I'm struggling with this or this, I am taking 10 steps. Can we get it down to two steps? And usually the answer is yes. But once they've used CRM for a while and built that into their habits, then we can automate things and take them up to the next level, just really kick it up into the top gear. The reason why we do it that way is because most of our customers are busy selling their passion, their widgets or their sprockets or whatever it is that they do for their customers. They don't really know the technology. They don't a lot of them don't know what the options are. They just heard from someone that CRM is the way to go. So they don't really have a solid understanding. So we can't and like you said, a lot of them don't. They don't look at their own day and say, here's my pain points, here's my struggles, here's my opportunities. They themselves may not know that when we start talking to them. So we kind of skip to the chase and say, look, we're going to put this thing in. This is what we're going to do to streamline it, personalize it. This is what, you know, an 80% solution. You can get some value out of it right away and then move on. And we'll do the next, you know, improvements once you've used the system a little bit better and understand kind of how it all flows. That doesn't work. That approach doesn't work for everyone, but it, for us, it really helps keep our customers' budgets tighter, and it keeps the ROI time to return on investment shorter, so they can get up and running very quickly um, without a lot of analysis and introspection that they, frankly, might not always be capable of doing. Maybe not. They don't have enough time, or they don't have someone to spearhead that.
0: So, question for both you and Tom, Peter, is that. You know one of the things when you know when my previous life there was thousands of reps that used it, and you know got to the mindset that you know as 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 Tom said earlier, you know do you want me out there selling or do you want me putting stuff in the c r m so you know the mindset is, look, you put in you know who who, who who did you see what did you talk to about what your next step is and that should only take a few minutes and then really use that information when you have a pipeline review session i mean do you get asked a lot about how much detail should go into these activities or uh, what are your
2: thoughts on that yeah so i personally do get asked a lot of that and um in my younger days i was more of an adherent of the technology you have to use the technology right now um if you've got a few more gray hairs and a few more implementations under my belt, you know, we've helped hundreds and hundreds of customers. My view is only put the information in that's of value. There's no reason to track things like spoke with Tom today. What I want to track is I sent Tom a quote, you know, something that's important to future me. So when I look back, I can remember what the heck I was talking with Tom about or a coworker. Maybe it's my boss. Maybe it's one of my teammates who's going to help me. Maybe we have a team approach to selling, which more and more companies do these days because we, no person's an island onto themselves anymore like they used to be. Um, it's very rare that companies have single account management anymore. It's more team-based account management. So it's important that we track our notes and our activities properly. So every company has to answer that themselves, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I think you're right, Peter. And I, I guess the standard I try to... Uh, suggest to people is one if you're if you don't touch the account maybe you have only very periodic interactions with your account so as a salesperson do you, is your documentation good enough that you can follow it and the other is if you're out sick and somebody's going to lend you a hand can they make sense of what the last thing was and where we are with the with the next step and so uh, I I agree that, you know, we only want to enter the things that add value. Sometimes we also have to help people understand what is it that adds value. And to that team selling approach, there's a lot of value to the customer, right? Value to who? At the end of the day, regardless of business, the only value that matters is value to your customer. And so when your customer calls in and they ask a question and you're not available, how much value is there in the experience that the person on the phone said, oh, you have Peter, I see where Steve talked to you last week and I've got right here in front of us and I see that he has it ready for you. Would you like me to resend it or are you ready to give me that approval over the phone? We want to make it easy for the customer and we want to give them that experience that says we're a team and we communicate.
2: I have no arguments with any of the things that you just said. I think that's exactly spot on. I also think that for a lot of people out there that are concerned about the data entry, and they should be concerned about the data entry, you know, in my, again, my younger days, I just saw the value of CRM in every situation, right? But now I realize it's all about making the user's experience better so they get something of value out of there. So it's a very valid concern that my boss is asking me to enter every note, every phone call, every meeting with a customer in great detail, because that's going to chew up my business cycles that are my time that I can use to pursue additional sales or follow up and do actual selling activities. So one of the things that you can do with CRM, especially with the Power Platform, which we haven't even touched on. I know we're getting close to our end, but with the Power Platform, I tell people to imagine giant easy buttons. So if I go meet with Tom and I want to send him a quote or I want someone in my office send a quote, I can just have a programmed easy button that says, send tom a quote and maybe it just puts a reminder on my calendar maybe it kicks it to my internal csrs to send tom a quote then they can ask me about what specific things go in that quote but it's just a real easy way to like create these quick actions um, that make this it does both things it helps the salespeople put their activities in crm but it also makes it easy to actually take action on those things so it's it's just a just a single push button I think that's a that's a key in the future is make it easy for the salespeople to enter these data and keep the data relevant so that it's only the important stuff being tracked. Great points, Peter. You
0: know one of the things that uh, you think back to the day, right? I'm I'm the guy that had a Franklin planner. What, what was that? 1990, <laughs> and uh, a little black book that had all my accounts in it, all my all my proprietary information that I thought was mine. And I and I and I kind of think where well, you're going. You know, put all that stuff in because I remember. You know, years ago talking to somebody and they had three salespeople and they didn't need the CRM. And I said, so what happens if the salesman walks out with a little black book? What, what a little black book. I said, well, the book that has all his contacts and phone numbers and extensions and notes that he's talked about. Do you, do you have that information? And, you know, at, at that point, it kind of resonated with with the owner. But I also think what happens is that it's almost like a, a protection thing, Right. You know, we talked how the funnel is a beautiful thing and how, you know, senior leadership loves to, you know, it's it's like comfort food. But as a salesperson, I remember when I had that little black book, like, yeah, I'm important. I know all these people and they don't. Now it's like, you want to take all this information out of this little book and put it in a system so you could replace me. Right. But I think it comes down to that conversation that you have. Look, once you get an account, you know, it's our job as a company to take care of that customer because that customer you got. Is our customer now, right? And you're hitting all the bullet points. You got customer service. You got, you know, um, you know. It's just, it's just. There's so many benefits to it. But I, do, do you see like where you see the bumpiness on some of these implementations? Is where those conversations don't happen with the sales team, or um, have you ever seen anybody like fighting wanting to put that information? In? I'm kind of interested to get your take on that.
1: Well, okay, our- before that happens, sorry to cut you off. I'm just going to give us the five-minute warning because Steve could talk for three days about this topic. Um, but So so uh, keep that in mind, five-minute warning, guys.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I think all of us could talk about this topic. And I think it's a topic that, you know, if you guys want to have me back on, um, we can actually get to the topic at hand, which is more about the RM versus CRM. I think we gave a great overview of it, but uh, definitely maybe a more detailed discussion would be good. But to answer your question, We have a more prescribed approach. What I've learned the hard way is most of our customers, these small businesses, don't really know what they want out of a CRM. They don't always know how to even express their pains or their opportunities. And I used to spend a lot of time working with them to try to figure all that out. Now, instead, I say, look, take a leap of faith with me. We do everything with a money back guarantee. So if it doesn't work out, if we think there's a bad fit, money will part ways. But here's our structured approach crawl walk run it's all baked into our our approach. And so we're saying here's the things that we're gonna do for your salespeople right away. Then the walk phase, so once we get past the crawl phase, the walk phase is now that they've started using the CRM, now let's talk to them about specific pain points they have with making things better for themselves. and and that's where that's how we do it. We don't do that up front anymore um, because most of our customers, it just, they found it very difficult to even describe things. In my ideal world, I'd say, don't pay me a dime for CRM. Instead, pay me based on how well we improve your sales per sales rep. The problem, of course, with that approach is most of our customers don't know what their metrics are before we go talk to them. They have—they don't really have a good, solid understanding of their fundamentals, their KPIs. So um, we try to help guide them along the path to getting value from CRM right away without a lot of of uncertainty or taking time to reflect in the mirror about how they do things and where their pains are because most of our customers just don't have the time or desire to do that like i said it's not for everybody so different strokes different folks but that's the way we do things
0: well that's good information peter and and tom any anything you'd like to add
3: um I don't think so. I mean, I think it's been good discussion. It's likely, you know, as Peter said, I I feel like maybe we could could do a small mini series on just this topic. There's a lot going on here, but, you know, hopefully your listeners have gotten some value. And, uh, you know, Peter and I actually have done many joint calls uh, together with prospective customers. So, I mean, if they're if uh, anyone listening is open to a conversation, they want to have us on site to have a a discussion. Um, you know, we're we're happy to to pick this up and personalize it.
0: Well, that's great. And, and Peter, you know, I I tell you what, this this it's good information, and I think it's a topic because I know Jeff and I've actually uh, I think some of our podcasts in the past we've done a couple, and they seem to get a little bit uh, more legs under them because it's. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many things that CRM is, right? It's customer relationship management. Some people call it contact management. So I think we're going to definitely have you come back on, uh, and we're, we're we're excited that you you took the time to uh, come and and spend with us. And uh, that was the first time I was hijacked, Jeff. We we didn't get hijacked. I thought that was a great uh, <laughs> a great leadway because it it it's kind of like an engagement. It kind of you know you kind of go in with thinking it's going to go this way, and it kind of goes a different way. So, uh, uh, but I think that was all good stuff. And, uh, we got a couple things coming up here in the near future, Jeff, what do we got coming on here to Novia?
1: Oh, um, I feel like you're always better versed in that thing. I'm focused on, um, most excited about is our customer conference coming up in May. Um, Hey, uh, Peter, are you going to join us for that? Were you invited? <laughs> I think I'm always invited. Um,
2: I, I'm not sure about this whole coronavirus thing. How do I know you guys don't have it?
3: Uh, Notre Dame's under complete. There's a bubble there. It's all safe.
2: Oh, shoot! You know? Thank you, Tom. I knew you'd alleviate my concerns.
0: <laughs> nice. And, but as Jeff said, we have our customer com- uh, conference coming up in Maine. Actually, uh, we're going to be doing a podcast with Tom. Uh, prior to that, to kind of really go over what uh, will we, the content will be and, and what it's going to be like. And it's the first time, what Tom, we've had in the Wisconsin Dells for, what, the last four or five years? Yeah, you know what? And I would
3: just say, uh, for those of you that have not attended the customer conference in the past, uh, not only is it great content, great opportunity for you to visit with your peers, uh, Microsoft, uh, a lot of the ISVs, but uh, for any fighting Irish fans or even the haters, uh, we're going to have an opportunity. We'll be out on the field inside Notre Dame Stadium. It really will be a unique experience, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. So we're we're hoping that you can. Join us. I I would say for the first time ever, it does look like this conference is going to sell out. Uh, I say sell loosely. Uh, There is no charge for you to attend, Uh, but we will max out in our capacity uh, to to have people. And so if you're thinking about joining or you knew you were going to join, but you haven't registered, please do that today because we are
2: going to fill up. Hey, Tom, just uh, just from an outside perspective, I have been to your conferences before, and just for the, those listening out there, I'm going to tell you some unvarnished truths, which is every customer I sat down and talked to at lunch or in the hallways just raved about the content and the Enovia team's expertise. I think the, just from an outsider perspective, the conference is extremely uh, good value for what people get out of it. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Peter.
0: So, Peter, if somebody wanted to get in contact with you, can maybe tell us a little bit about how to contact you?
2: Yeah, the best way to reach me is by email. P-W-O-L-F at Azamba.com. A-Z-A-M-B-A.com. I'm also pretty heavy on LinkedIn, so uh, I'm pretty easy to find. Peter Wolf Azamba. There's not too many of us. Um, My only problem with the Google is that uh, Peter Wolf was the Jay Giles Band uh, lead singer, so that that always caused me problems. But LinkedIn, I I don't think he's out on LinkedIn as much as I am. Well,
3: and
0: your picture's in all the post offices,
1: right?
0: (laughs) It sure is. Well, great. If you have any questions about Peter or Zamba, you can always reach out to your Novi account manager or Tom or I or Jeff, and uh, we'd be more than happy to connect with Peter. But you can also follow us on LinkedIn, uh, on Twitter. Uh, If you want to follow me, I'm at Walt Steve. And we're also on uh, Facebook. So once again, everybody, we thank you for your time in this conversation. And Jeff, I think this podcast is over. All right.
1: Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.